We are your Catholic Radio, radio for your soul. in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain, and it is Friday. Praise be to God, September the 9th, 2022, and you have survived the week. Congratulations. You did it. You made it this far. It's going to be a great weekend. Uh, And of course, huge news yesterday. Uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II passed away. Ninety, I think she was ninety-six years old, if I'm not mistaken. She reigned for like seventy years, longest reign in recent history of any monarchy anywhere on the world. Uh, it was a you know big day, big change. His uh, His Majesty King Charles III is uh, now the reigning monarch unofficially. I think that is made official today. In fact, so less than twenty-four hours later, I believe is when that happens. But we're going to have a conversation about the life, the reign of Queen Elizabeth II with with Edward Penton coming up at 15 past the hour. What do Catholics think, uh, you know, British uh, Catholics, what do they think of Her Majesty's reign? Abortion, same-sex marriage, all under her reign. Uh, So we're going to get that coming up at 15 past the hour. Stick around for that if you can. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Father Peter Masambe Mukasa from the Zimu Foundation in Uganda is going to be on with us to talk about the work of the Zimu Foundation. They're building hospitals, clinics, things like that. And uh, Dave Palmer is going to be on at the top of the next hour. He's going to talk about what St. Thomas Aquinas teaches about the Antichrist. And uh, it's going to be a jam-packed show. Please do share us with a friend. Lots of stories in the news still. Homeland Security is saying, well, they, they, they may just have allowed very dangerous, unvetted Afghans into the United States after that, you know, whole debacle thing in Afghanistan. So, yeah, there's that. Hey, Brazil's Cardinal Leonardo Ulrich Steiner, a brand-new cardinal, just made a cardinal by his holiness, Pope Francis, last week. Uh, apparently, he's uh, telling the press... That, um, yeah, um, if you're not a Christian, homosexual lifestyle should be just fine. No problems. Really. That's kind of troubling. A D.C. declares public emergency on migrant crisis, establishes Office of Migrant Services, and expects the federal government to pick up the tab for the $10 million bill. The citizens of Switzerland, on the other hand, they may face imprisonment if they try to set their thermostats above 66 degrees this winter. Because the cost of natural gas in Europe has already increased more than tenfold. So pull out that blanket, that sweater, that jacket, that hat, because otherwise it could be jail time for you. Good morning to you, uh, Mike Koeniger. Hey, good morning, Joe. How are you today? Praise be to God. I am alive and that counts. How are you? I am wonderful. Well, good thing you don't live in Switzerland and trying to heat your home past 66. Let's pray for the Swiss this, this winter. I set mine at 67. I didn't think that was such a big sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> you could go to prison at 67, okay? So you got to think carefully. 
I heard that. Hey, Joe, let me sneak something in real quick. My dad's turning 85 on Sunday. Deacon Lou is turning 85, and I hope everyone remains uh, re- uh, remembers him in their rosary, if they don't mind, please. Amen. Uh, yeah, Deacon happy Lou. birthday. What, is he, what does Deacon Lou do on his 85th birthday? Is he a skydiver? Uh, I, I think he's probably going to bungee jump. No, bungee no, no. jump. No, <laughs> he's going to go to the restaurant and eat some wonderful meal. I'm sure that's kind of his thing. <laughs> Praise be to God. Eighty-five goals. Eighty-five-year-old goals. My, my. Uh, in fact, my grandfather turns ninety tomorrow, while at the same time celebrating uh, my grandparents' seventieth wedding anniversary tomorrow. So praise be to God. So let's keep all of them in our prayers this weekend. Uh, but speaking of needing prayers, Rudy Carlos is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning. Here I am on the ones and twos, but we actually just have the ones here. There's no, uh, actually, we don't even have a ones. There's no turntable here. I wish there was. That would be cool. We should buy some. We sh- yeah, we should. And we should oh, play wicked, the records wicked, wicked. Yeah. at uh, at high speed and low speed uh, inappropriately. So they sound really weird. Yeah. DJ Rudy Carlos, I could see it. DJ Rudy Carlos, I could see it. I could see it. Breaking it down. Any any plans uh, this weekend? Are you going to just do more birding? I think I'm going to go birding. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe not though, because last time my camera broke, and that was disappointing. Yeah. So maybe I'll stick around and Mm -hmm. reorganize my hard drives or something. (laughs) That's a fun task. (laughs) Uh, Well, praise be to God. Uh, All right, we have a lot to get into today. Again, we're going to have a conversation around Queen Elizabeth II with Edward Penton coming up in just a little bit. But let's pray. Let's pray for the repose of her soul, obviously, the souls of all those that have uh, gone to face eternity. And uh, as well as uh, as, uh, uh, the conversion of sinners around the whole world. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Mike Koeniger. Good morning and welcome to Catholic Drive Time. It is Friday, September 9th, and these are your headlines. Buckingham Palace Statement on the Death of Queen Elizabeth. Britain's Queen Elizabeth died aged 96 on Thursday. Here is the full statement released by Buckingham Palace. The Queen died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon. The King and the Queen Consort will remain in Balmoral this evening and will return to London tomorrow. As Joe mentioned earlier, Democratic mayor declares emergency as 11,000 border crossers arrive in D.C. wonder what the folks in Brownsville think of this. Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser has declared an emergency in the region as nearly 11,000 border crossers have arrived on buses from Texas and Arizona, a fraction of the number of illegal aliens who arrive in American border towns every few days. Bowser said the emergency will allow the city to allocate about $10 million in American taxpayer money put towards aiding and resettling arriving border crossers. Bannon charged with money laundering and wall building scheme. Manhattan prosecutors say that while Bannon promised all donations would go to building the wall, he was involved in transferring hundreds of thousands of dollars to third party entities and used them to funnel payments to two other people involved in the scheme. Presidential pardons apply only to federal crimes, not state offenses. Last year, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office charged Ken Kersen, a friend of Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, with cyber-stalking months after Trump pardoned him in a similar federal case. Like Bannon, 
person was pardoned early in his federal case before acquittal or conviction, negating any double jeopardy argument. Biden administration is funding drug supply vending machines in rural Kentucky. The administration will spend $3.6 million to test the effectiveness of the kiosks in rural Kentucky, according to National Institutes of Health grant awarded in August. The kiosks will contain items and substances such as naloxone, syringes, fentanyl test strips, and condoms. The Daily Caller previously previously reported that some harm reduction facilities funded by the Biden administration are distributing crack pipes among their safe smoking kits. The administration has repeatedly denied that it funds or intends to fund the distribution of crack pipes to addicts, but openly funds the distribution of clean syringes for heroin use. I'm not seeing the difference here. And those are your headlines. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Maria Euthymia Ufing. Born in April 1914 in Halverde, Germany as Emma Ufing, she was one of 11 children of August Ufing and Maria Schmidt. Emma grew up in a pious family in a small town. At 18 months, she developed a form of rickets that scented her growth and left her poor in health for the rest of her life. She made her first communion in April of 1924 and was later confirmed in September. Emma worked in her parents' farm as a child and by her early teens began to feel a call to religious life. She worked as an apprentice in housekeeping management in a hospital in Hopston, Germany, completing her studies in May 1933. Later, she entered the Sisters of the Congregation of Compassion, taking the name Euthymia. She worked as a nurse through World War II, and in 1943, she was assigned to nurse prisoners of war and foreign workers with infectious diseases. She worked tirelessly for her charges, caring for them, praying for them, and ensuring that they received the sacraments. After the war, she was given supervision of a large laundry room in the Dinslaken Hospital, her order's mother house, and the St. Raphael Clinic in Münster, Germany. What little spare time she had was spent in prayer before the Eucharist. Blessed Maria Euthymia Ufing, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 6, verses 39 through 42. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? No disciple is superior to the teacher, but when fully trained, every disciple will be like his teacher. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove that splinter in your eye, when you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own eye? You hypocrite, remove the wooden beam from your eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Cyril of Alexandria said, writing in the 5th century, His disciples were the future teachers of the world, and it therefore became them to know the way of a virtuous life. Having their minds illuminated, as it were, by a divine brightness, that they should not be blind leaders of the blind, but if any should chance to attain unto an equal degree of virtue with their teachers, let them stand in the measure of their teachers and follow their footsteps. Close quote. Well, how do you get a higher, higher, higher bar, higher level, higher standard than Jesus Christ himself, right? 
So it's a pretty high bar that he expects his apostles to follow and their successors, the bishops. The applicant writing in the 12th century said, quote, but these words are applicable to all and especially to teachers who, while they punish the least sins of those who are put under them, leave their own unpunished. Wherefore, the Lord calls them hypocrites, because to this end judge they the sins of others, that they themselves might seem just, close quote, the applicate. Well, that reminds me of me, parents, moms and dads, who will you know, correct and parent our children about uh, things that we ourselves can be guilty of sometimes. And I'm often reminded of my own sins and my own failings by the behavior and interaction I have with my children. St. Basil said in the 4th century, In truth, self-knowledge seems the most important of all. For not only the eye, looking at outward things, fails to exercise its sight upon itself, but our understanding also, though very quick in apprehending the sin of another, is slow to perceive its own defects. Close quote, St. Basil, pray for us. And then, of course, I see here the Venerable Bede, writing in the 6th century. And I think this is really, this kind of sums it up, I think, the most. He says, quote, Now this has reference to the previous parable, in which he forewarned them that the blind cannot be led by the blind, that is, the sinner corrected by the sinner. This is the standard, as Venerable Bede would say, <clears throat> that he gives our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to his disciples, his apostles, and, you know, extended back to the rest of us for sure, but primarily and for, for, uh, first of all to his apostles, who would go on to be succeeded by bishops who are uh, succeeded by other bishops down to our day and our age. His intention was for them to live holy and exemplary lives. Just like the intention of our Lord when he called the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt, after 432 years of slavery, they had become just like their pagan neighbors. And he called them to consecrate them to himself, to call them out to worship him, right? The idea to set them apart was to make them unique, not to make them isolated from the world, to consecrate them so that they can go and save their lost brothers. Because the Egyptians, the Pezrites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, the the Jebusites and all the other Gazuntites, all of them were God's children too. And he wanted to save all, not just some, but because the hardness of their hearts turning back to paganism in Exodus 32, they got the law, which was a burden. Our Lord fulfilled that law and gave us grace. And we are expected to live in a state of grace through the sacraments, confession, Holy Eucharist, and the others, so that we might live set apart for the conversion and salvation of souls all over the world. We must live holy, and, and that we must meditate and strive for. We'll be right back. We're often told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mises, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the internet. 
I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to abolish abortion and rally for personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 1130 a.m. to 330 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Father Peter Masambe Mukasa from the Zimu Foundation is going to be our guest. Stick around for that if you can. But joining us right now by telephone is Edward Penton from the National Catholic Register. Good morning to you, Edward. Good morning, sir. Yeah, we're very grateful for your time today. Uh, Big news yesterday, her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II passing at 96 years old. Um, I, I have to imagine not surprised, uh, but still shocking. Yes, well, I mean, it all happened rather suddenly in the end, of course. Uh, nobody knew that she was really um, sick until the last 48 hours, and then it all became rather rather sudden, and she deteriorated very quickly. So, yeah, it was rather sudden, but of course, being 96, um, everyone it could happen at any time and and so that's what happened yeah i mean just a couple of days ago she welcomed i think it was her 15th prime minister which is pretty impressive considering 70 year reign the all that has happened in the world it's 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 an immense amount of uh not only world changing historical events in the past 70 years but the, the amount of world leaders that she has interacted with let alone prime ministers, U.S. presidents, the popes. I mean, just it goes on and on. And I understand she enjoyed a very high favorable rating from the the people, her uh, her people in the United Kingdom. Is that true? She did, yes. And she uh, she she really gave her life, obviously, to to the country, to the people, and, and people recognize that. Um, and so they. A very um, the love for, them, for her was was immense because her love for them was immense and also her, which she which she derived from her faith from her, her Christian faith and that was really what what uh, drove her and inspired her and, and gave her all of her motivation was the sense of fulfilling the duty to the nation primarily because she felt she was fulfilling her duty to Christ and to the Lord. Mm. You wrote uh, a, v- a very touching uh, piece, a tribute to My Queen, over at the National Catholic Register, which I encourage everyone to check out. You can find ncrregister.com. It was uh, right on the homepage, above the fold, as they say, so you should uh, give that a read today. Um, but what's interesting to me is, as an American, I, I I always struggled with understanding the monarchy in 
and how English citizens see the monarchy. In fact, I got in trouble once many, many, many years ago. I had a colleague, and I think I made a joke. Uh, I don't even remember what the joke was, but I think I made a joke about the monarchy, and and he got really offended, and I was surprised by that. I mean, it just took me uh, uh, off guard because I couldn't understand that relationship. Can you try to explain to us what is the relationship between the the uh, the uh, the English citizen and their monarchy? Yes. Well, it's it's obviously an ancient institution, and it's obviously very dear to many of uh, the, the British people because partly because of that, it's very much part of our culture, and it goes back a long way. But there's also a sacred element to the monarchy that. It goes back to the divine right of kings, but it's also very much. Uh, is I mean, a lot of people don't realize this, but it's a very, um, it's a very Catholic institution. It was obviously begun um, through the Catholic Church back in uh, you know uh, many years ago, and so many centuries ago, and so um, it has a certain spiritual element to it, um, and that that is something that people are, even if they're not consciously aware of it, they're perhaps subconsciously aware of it. And it gives that, the monarchy gives a certain stability, especially in the times of change that we've had, um, and something that people can see as a rock to hold on to, and a, and a head of state that is someone who doesn't come and go with, with elections, but is someone that's there and gives a stable a rock for their lives and, and gives, them, gives them a certain meaning too, and a certain spiritual meaning as well. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think that's a big part of it. That's why it sort of runs deep within the people of Britain. Um, of course, not everyone. There are quite a few Republicans there now who, who like to an end to the monarchy. But I think that's the general feeling among among the, the British people is that um, she does provide that that great sort of spiritual element to, to the life of, of the country. Even though she's not Catholic, she was a devout Christian in her in her own way. Did, did it ever, I mean, again, a minute ago we said she enjoyed a very high uh, public favorability, but did it ever uh, change because of the drama within her family members, her son Charles uh, you know, having an affair with his against his wife and then divorcing, Diana's passing, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Prince Harry's drama, and et cetera. Has uh, public favorability wavered as a result to all of the, the drama in the family? Well, I think people felt sorry for her mainly because of the, the trials she, the, that she had in her own family. Um, but uh, but the way she handled them, I think people respected it. She she tried to handle them privately and, and with great wisdom and, and prudence, and 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 I think people respected that and loved her for it. So I don't I don't think that made her lose much popularity. I think I think certain things she she. Perhaps felt she could have handled better when, when Princess Diana died. She she kind of misread the mood of the people then. Um, but on the whole, I think she she knew exactly how to handle uh, the monarchy. And because she recognised that spiritual element to it, I think she saw um, she saw the the importance of being certainly somewhat separate from the nation and and to keep that mystique of the monarchy so that. Um, as I put in my article, it, it, it allows that spiritual element to come to the fore and that perhaps people will look more to God than to, to her to see, to see that spiritual element beyond um, beyond herself. And I think that's why um, 
her popularity remained so strong. But but ultimately, it was her sense of duty and dedication which people admired the most, which, as I said before, derived very much from her faith. One of the things that I find very curious, as an outsider looking in, as a Catholic, in uh, as somebody, uh, my my historical roots, my family's uh, ancestry goes back to Scotland and then further back to Ireland, and so I've studied a lot of uh, English history, Scottish history, etc. But um, of course, the line of James ended. Uh, we all have heard the Bonnie Prince Charlie story about the. And the Hanovers came, which is where the House of Windsor comes from. So I find it interesting mm-hmm. as Catholics, from the outside looking in, as Catholics, when you when you think of the monarchy, it seems to me that you think very uh, affectionately, very tenderly, very lovingly towards the monarchy. Uh, do, is there any sense of this history, the sort of the lost, uh, the loss of the line of uh, of uh, the Stuarts uh, yeah. versus this current Stuart, House yeah. of the Windsors? Well, there is, and I think I think. Um, I can't speak for, for all the faiths, of course, but I think a lot of faiths in England, Catholic faiths, or that is, I think there's a sense that, or a regret, really, that the Catholic monarchy is not Catholic, and and that there is, this, she is the supreme, or she was the supreme head of the Church of England, which, you know, is, 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 is broke away from Rome, of course, and so I think there, that is a problem with the monarchy, and I it's hard to say, but I think a lot of the uh, problems within the, the royal family and so forth, I think, perhaps derive from a, a certain uh, consequence of that spiritual breaking away. Um, and and so it is. It, it certainly is not um, perfect, and it and it does have many flaws. And and I think one of the main ones is that that it, it is no longer Catholic. Because it is, really, as I said earlier, very much a Catholic institution. The coronation is the most Catholic state ceremony there is in, in Britain still. Um, it's all about anointing and, and all of that, and that very much comes from, from the faith, of course. So, so yes, it is regrettable, and, um, and I think that, that's something which um, will always be there. Well, hopefully not always be there, but certainly uh, for now, okay. Mm. You know, here in America, we have, as Catholics, we've often uh, pointed out, uh, like, for instance, uh, our current president, Joe Biden, who is a purported Catholic, but an ardent and, uh, you know, just an ardent supporter of abortion uh, and same-sex unions. And we, we fault him for that because there is a clear disconnect to John Kerry, uh, who was uh, a secretary of state. He also said, well, I can't oppose it publicly, even though I privately oppose it. It seems like Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II kind of fell in the same, although she was not Catholic, but a, but a, a, a Christian nonetheless. Uh, she seems to fall in the same category. As queen, she seemed to endorse abortion and same-sex unions, which you touch upon in your article today. Can you speak to that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, well, I think this derives from her Anglicanism um, and perhaps other forces, too, that she didn't. Um, she didn't stand up against uh, the Abortion Act, which came in in the 1960s during her reign, and also same-sex marriage as well, and other other such legislation, which was clearly against natural law. And it's hard to say why. I think it's really because she she placed um, the democratic will of the, of the people above um, natural law. And I think she did that because she felt she had a duty to do that. Her duty was to serve the people in whatever way they wanted the country to go democratically. And so I think that took precedent for her. Um, mm. And I think 
you know, if she were a Catholic monarch, perhaps that would have been different. I know that I think that, uh, the king of Luxembourg, I believe, did take a stand against abortion. Um, he did withhold his royal assent from legislation. Hmm. Um, and so it is possible. Um, it's very rare, of course. I think the last time it was done in Britain by a monarch was 1708. So it's, it's very rare indeed. Um, and I think she felt she couldn't do it. As I say, I think were she Catholic, I wonder whether she would have taken a more of a stand and, and refused to stand for such a state. We have just a couple of minutes left within our conversation with Edward Pench from the National Catholic Register. Um, let me. Can I switch to His Majesty King Charles III? Um, what do you, what are your what is your anticipation under his reign? I, I want to sneak this in real quick, but he's got very close ties to the World Health Organization. Very climate agenda focused, and Great Reset language has been something he's uh, espoused quite a bit. But uh, also, will his wife mm-hmm. be the queen, or will she have a different title? What say you, Edward Pendant? Uh, she's called the Queen Consort, so she's not um, fully the Queen, I believe. I don't know. I haven't um, looked exactly into that. I don't, the Queen gave her that title only last year, I think, in preparation for this. Um, but yes, I agree with you, Joe. I think I think Prince Charles won't be the same. I think he'll be more outspoken on political issues, which I think could bring the monarchy into into disrepute. Um, and I think he's 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 spoken out quite outspoken in the past, but I think he might well be the same as, as King. Um, he does have a, 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 I think he leans quite towards the Orthodox, I believe, rather like his father, um, the Orthodox Church, that is. Uh, but um, he is also um, quite open to all faiths. I think he said many years ago he wanted to be defender of faith rather than defender of faith, which is the, the old title of Queen of the Sovereign in the United Kingdom. So we'll just have to see, but I, I think it'll be a very different, different, um, different monarchy going forward. Wow! I wish we had a lot more time. I'd love to have you back when we have more time, so we can talk about this. But uh, Edward Penton from the National Catholic Register, thank you so much for your time today. Check out the article at ncregister.com. A tribute to my queen by Edward Penton. God bless you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Jake. Good to see you. All right, praise be to God. Coming up after the break, more news uh, from Mike and Father Peter Mosambe is going to be on. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. 
Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. My name is Mike Koniger, and these are your headlines. Prosecutors in Rushdie attack want delay to review evidence. The criminal case against the man charged with stabbing author Salman Rushdie involves so much potential evidence that prosecutors need more time to review it, Chief Prosecutor said Wednesday. Attorney Gen- uh, District Attorney Jason Schmidt of Chautauqua County in western New York said his office is reviewing about 30,000 files without providing details. He asked for more time to comply with a legal requirement that he turn over evidence to suspect Hadi Matar's attorney, the observer of Dunkirk reported. U.S. launches Minuteman 3 ICBM in show of nuclear readiness. Washington announced the test in advance, apparently aimed at heading off an escalation of tensions with Russia. Minuteman 3 has been in service for 50 years and is currently the only land-based ICBM in the U.S. nuclear arsenal. Missiles are housed in silos on three U.S. military bases in Wyoming, North Dakota, and Montana. For the long haul, U.S. pledges more than $2 billion in military aid for Ukraine in Eastern Europe. Secretary of State Antony Blinken announced $2 billion in military aid to Ukraine and Eastern European countries Thursday during a meeting with Ukrainian officials in Kiev. Blinken told Ukrainian officials of the additional funding, half of which will go to Ukraine, the other half, which will assist 18 countries the State Department assesses are at the highest risk of future aggression from Russia. The package, made under foreign military financing, provides recipient countries with funding to purchase U.S.-made weaponry and comes alongside a separate authorization of $675 million drawdown from existing U.S. stocks to supply Ukraine's effort to repel Russia. And those were your headlines. Remember to pray the rosary and God love you. Praise be to God and all things. Thank you, Mike, for keeping us up to date. Real quick, uh, let me just remind you, today's the day we send out the CDT Insider email. And uh, I am uh, going to be sending you a series. Like it's like a, it was a movie broken up into little chunks called The Days of Noah. And uh, I just finished watching it this week. It's got a slow burn to it, but it's got a good payoff in the end. And uh, I'm going to put that in the email this afternoon. So if you're not on our email list, you can do so. You can just sign up today by going to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Look for the CDT Insider email link and you'll find that there. So again, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get into the uh, CDT Insider email link. Praise be to God. All right, joining us right now via Zoom chat is Father Peter Masambe Mukasa. He is uh, with the Zimu Foundation and a priest of Uganda. Good morning to you, Father. Father, it looks like we got you muted. If you can unmute, that'd be great. Uh, uh, Zimu Foundation, uh, let me just read this to you while he's working on that, is a mission to transform Uganda's poorest of the poor living in its impoverished villages in remote geographic areas. Zimu Foundation is dedicated to re, uh, relieving the suffering and uncertainty of Uganda's underprivileged women and children through quality, relevant education, basic health care, clean water, and life training skills for economic self-sustenance. Uh, Father, can you hear me now? 
Yes, now I do. Oh, praise be to God. Good morning to you, Father. Thank you for joining us. You are welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And good morning to our listeners. And thank you so much for your kind introduction. Father, do you um, I hope you don't mind, but before we jump into Zimu, I would like to get your take on the passing of uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Uganda, if I'm not mistaken, was once a colony of the UK. How are Ugandans feeling today about the news of Queen Elizabeth's passing? Well, it is a very sad moment. Uh, we really are so sorry that he, uh, she has passed on. Uh, because she, she has lived a, lo- a long life and a good life. Uh, so we condone with everybody. So, yes, so sorry. Wow. Uh, yes. And, uh, and, and so look, let me ask you this then. Can you tell me what is life like in Uganda? I've never been there. Maybe someday God will give me the grace to, uh, to be able to visit Africa and, uh, and Uganda. There's a lot of places in Africa I'd love to visit. Uh, what is life like in Uganda? Life in Uganda um, is quite challenging, I can say, uh, depending, <coughs> depending on where you are. Uh, there are those who are, who are finding it good, and the majority of Ugandans, they find it so challenging, uh, being one of the poorest countries in the continent. So with the poverty makes life really very hard. And uh, that's why uh, I added this uh, foundation I started, uh, depending on uh, considering the way I started, I mean, I live my life, <clears throat> that uh, the most of people really survive. Here in the US, people have choices that uh, they can choose. I can have this, I can have this. But in Uganda, it's about surviving. And that's what the challenged me when I came to US, that when I went to the, to the restaurant and they gave me uh, a meal card, uh, the menu, I had the difficulty to find uh, what to eat because of many options. Mm. We are buying you in Uganda, if you go to the, to the restaurant, you either take this or this. So you don't have many options. Mm. And that's like the life of people grow up, who I grew up in, that we don't have options in life. Mm-hmm. You just either have it or you don't. So there is no that I can do that. I can eat lunch or I can skip lunch. No. Mm-hmm. So it, it is about surviving. That's the life. Wow, my kids would probably think that that's their life, too, because we don't give them any options on the menu. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you're being fed. You either eat it or you don't. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I mean, we do have a lot of choices. It's been one of those uh, things I've had to uh, wrap my head around, especially where I live uh, uh, in Houston. I mean, I could throw a stone and hit seven restaurants, and I think about the, the sheer amount of food that is prepared every day. It blows my mind. Um, okay, so living conditions are hard in Uganda. But tell me about mm-hmm. the people. Uh, what are the people like in Uganda? Uh, people in Uganda, they are good. If you happen to come to Uganda, actually, I will come you one day. You come to Uganda. People are very hospitable, very nice. And uh, being that it's one of uh, the leading countries for the tourism, many tourists go to Uganda. 
uh, because of the animals, because of the because of the climate, because we have it's between 75 and 80 year round. So people love the weather and people depend on farm. So the most of them depend on farm. So whatever you are to eat, you have to grow in your garden. So if you can't grow, you can't eat. Wow. So those who are in the city, uh, of course, because they work, they can't buy from the fresh markets. But the most of people, like I can say, uh, 90% depend on farm. So you have to first go and dig and you harvest. So that kind of uh, farming, and it makes people so friendly because if at all you are growing, you need it to share ideas, uh, share knowledge, uh, which kind of, 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 group, of group to grow. So mm-hmm. people are, are nice. And uh, Uganda is 85% Christian. Uh, so uh, 40% are Catholics. Uh, then uh, Anglicans uh, make like a, uh, I, I mean, the most of them, they make like 11%. Mm. So the most of them are Christians. And so, do uh, they uh, do they get along well? Do they live peaceably with each other? Yeah, they do. Actually, that's the good thing. Yeah, they live uh, peacefully, and uh, so they get along. Of course, uh, we also have like uh, the culture of people. It makes them to uh, uh, to be together because we have like uh, we have about forty tribes in Uganda. And uh, so those tribes, yeah, they, so they are together. Yes. Um, oh, it's okay. Um, uh, tell me about families, though. Uh, how big are the average Ugandan families, especially Catholic families? Do they have a lot of kids. Uh, how are marriages there? Are they stable? Uh, tell me about that part. I'll begin with my family. Uh, I, for, I come from a family of eight uh, siblings. Uh, unfortunately, the three of my uh, sisters passed on at the early age. Uh, well, and one was one year old, and another one was one month old, and another one was one day old. Mm. Old, so they passed on. So we have eight children right now. We have five uh, children. I am the youngest in in the family. So in Uganda, the family average is uh, six uh, children. Uh, wow, six children, yes. Yeah, and uh, for the stability, um, of course, um, it's like uh, they are stable. Apart from with this kind of the poverty that comes in, mm-hmm. that becomes a difficult for people to survive in 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 a family. So some of the people they they fear to get married because they don't know how they, how they're going to survive. Mm. So now they are they are considering how to uh, how to be together. So that's what is the biggest challenge right now affecting the family life. It is the poverty. Yeah. Hold that thought. Uh, we have a very quick network break we have to take, but we're talking with Father Peter Masombe Mukasa from the Zimu Foundation. By the way, you can find their information online at zimufoundation.org. That's Z-I-M-U, zimufoundation.org. But more about what they do and how you might be able to help them coming up right after the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood to the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed to the church down the street. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Father Peter Masambe Mukasa is our guest. He is with the Zimu Foundation. He's also a priest uh, in uh, Uganda. And uh, I, I want to say, Father, you, uh, you're a busy guy. I mean, not only do you do your work with <coughs> Zimu, but you're also helping the diocese with, with, as the, uh, as the, I think, the health coordinator, but then you're also serving in at least one parish, but a bunch of missions as well. Tell me about that. Yes. Um, in Uganda, I'm serving in a diocese as the head of, of health department, and I coordinate all the clinics in, in a diocese. Uh, we have 11, I mean, we have 16, 16, 16 clinics, plus one hospital. In, in my diocese, and these are all Catholic uh, hospitals and clinics. Wow. So I oversee uh, the uh, in charge of those ones to see how uh, they perform and how to improve them, uh, getting them equipment, getting them the, the good stuff. So all that what I, I do in this uh, mm. office. And in the parish, uh, I I assist. Yeah, I, we are three priests there. Uh, we have uh, sixteen uh, stations. We call them in Uganda sub parishes mm-hmm. that we always go on Sunday uh, uh, for masses. Uh, of course, we cannot cover all of them at once uh, on one Sunday because we have few priests. So the way we do, we we rotate. You can only cover like a three or four. Because of the distance and because of the roads, you talk of the roads. The roads are really <laughs> very <laughs> impossible. When it can take you um, like uh, twenty minutes to cover two kilometers. Really? Kilometers. Wow. So that means you go very slow because of the potholes. Uh-huh. Because of so the roads become impossible. So we cannot cover all of them at once. So we rotate uh, every Sunday. Yeah. So. Where we can't go, we have uh, a context home with like a, we trained 
who can preside over the liturgy of the world. Of course, you know, Eucharist, so people don't receive Eucharist on that very Sunday unless we have the, we have the mass there. Mm. So people here are lucky that the churches are closed and priests around and they can drive, they can access church. So here people are, are lucky, but our people, they have to walk the distance to go to church. Some of them have to walk uh, four miles, five miles mm. on the empty stomach uh, to attend the church. Wow. And if it rains on the way, and if it rains on the way, so they, so they, so now they get it the, the rain. So that's how, uh, Wow. Uh, we do the ministry, in Uganda, which is different from how it is done here in the U.S. Yeah. Because here, people drive, uh, they can access churches, they can choose that I can go to this mass, I can go to this. But ours people, uh, they don't have, they have an option. Yeah, which actually should yeah. uh, shame us even more to know that so few Catholics did go to Sunday Mass here in America, even though they have so many options, mass attendance remains very, very low in our country. Uh, and yet uh, there are very little excuses for us to be able to attend Holy Mass. So there's that. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, Zimu Foundation in particular. How does the Zimu Foundation address these concerns of poverty, resources, etc.? Zimu Foundation, thank you so much for asking Zimu Foundation, um, it is an acronym which means hope for the poor. So that one came from my uh, inspiration, considering the life I grew up. Like uh, as I as I, I, I told you that the most of people really live to survive. So at home we didn't have a lot. Uh, we had to walk to go and get the water for miles to come back. Like, you shower, you go to school, which is uh, 16 miles, and then you come home, you first go and get the water, and then after that, you go to, to the garden to get the food to prepare for dinner. Mm. So that's the, the life that we grew up, I grew up. And then uh, my mother and my dad did have job too, that, we, that can sustain us. So whatever we had, we had to go to the garden, and they did. And whatever we had, like the leftovers, we like we sell it to get some income to pay for the basic needs, and which is soap, lamp oil, and salt. So education was really not so uh, among the priorities because we are looking at things that can make us survive. So to go to school, it was a slow process that we have a little money. We first pay for uh, those who are elders, my elder sisters and brothers, and the, and the others remain at home working to, to get the money, if, I mean, to, get, to, to go to school. So uh, in that situation, I never had the hope that even I'll go to school. But thank God, my family, they prayed every day. And my mom, my dad prayed a rosary every day. And they said, Keep praying. God will open the way. Keep praying. And from nowhere, I, my uncle came and sponsored me. I am the youngest, and I was the one who didn't have any hope of going to school. So my uncle sponsored me all the way through from grade school, high school. Wow. And then I went to the college school. 
And then I got an opportunity that I was picked among all the seminarians for the scholarship to come to, to the U.S. Hmm. So when I saw my journey that it was because of God's providence, working through people. So I could see many people having no hope of going to school. Mm. And uh, it comes a vicious circle. If you can't go to school, uh, you can't uh, get education and you can't get a good job. So many people, that's how they, they are. So that's what I said, that, you know what? I want to give opportunities. As also I got opportunity to help, I mean, to help others. If my uncle never gave me opportunity to go to school, I wouldn't be a priest. I wouldn't be doing whatever I'm doing. So I could say that if you if you give people opportunities, they are able to thrive, they are able to survive, and they are able to lead their life. So that's why I started this foundation to give hope to, to many people, the kids, especially the kids, who have better education. Education is the key, but there are things that there are some of the factors that hinder education, and these are uh, water because they have to spend more hours in collecting water, so it becomes hard for them to concentrate. By the time they come home for school, and I mean to read, they are ex- they are exhausted. The schools are far from their homes. That they have to walk the, the distances. Here in the US, they are, they are I mean, they are, they are school buses that you take a kid yeah. to, to, to get to the bus stop mm-hmm. and, the, and the bus stop and it's then. But these kids they have to walk four miles, six miles, others like 11 every day to go to school and come back. So that one, by the time they, they go to school, they are exhausted. So uh, then they are, there is, the clinics, because those clinics are far from from people, they have to walk to the clinics. So imagine a person who is sick to walk to mm-hmm. the clinic. So there are many kids who don't go to school because they are sick, and they, because they are, I mean, the mothers and the parents can't afford to pay for their uh, the medication. In Uganda, people pay from the pockets. Here, people have the insurance but in uganda people pay from the pocket so if you have the money you go and buy i mean you pay for your medical bill and if you don't have the medical i mean you have no money you don't uh i mean there is no way you can be treated Mm -hmm. so that's the situation that it becomes a vicious circle that it's hard for people to go out of it and that's why uh my foundation is intended to like uh, to stop this VSAP that it, it, at least the village has access to clean water, like in a shortest uh, distance. They have access to the to the clinic mm-hmm. when they get sick. Uh, they have access to good school so that they, they are able uh, to yeah. survive. And yeah. even to empower the families, to empower, to, to empower the mothers, the fathers who have the income. Because you can't depend on uh, on handouts uh, like like every day, mm-hmm. so the families have to have the income so that they can pay for their own uh, bills. So that's the vision uh, of my uh, yeah. 
One of the things that you said, we're running out of time here already, but one of the things that uh, is listed on the Zemu uh, uh, website, which is zemufoundation.org, is, uh, you know, not only you mentioned clean water, medical clinics and education, and then being able to create livelihoods for these families. But one of the other challenges, it sounds like, is the Ugandan government is incredibly corrupt and it makes it even more difficult to to help these people. So uh, with just about a minute left to go, what's the best way folks can help Zimu or help the people in Uganda in spite of all these challenges? Well, uh, my first of all is to pray for my immediate prayer for the nation and then also to contribute if they can to our, our projects. Like we have now, we have constructed the a clinic, the maternity clinic. We now, we, we we began, we began from the scratch, but now it is done. It is now operating. Mm-hmm. We have, so far we have delivered the 800 babies and we have wow. saved the 100, um, and the mothers who, who need the operation. So we, I just ask for support so that you, we, we are able to, to bring a change in the, in the people's life. And, uh, if someone wanted to, could they donate on your website? Yes, they can. Yeah. And it is a five on CTD. Yeah, it's in the US. And that website is uh, zimufoundation.org. That's Z I M U foundation.org. Uh, there's a great video on there sort of explaining things, plus pictures of you building and completing the, uh, the, the clinic, too. So that looks, uh, looks great. But uh, we're just about out of time right now. Father Peter Masambe. Uh, Mukasa, we're very grateful for your time today and your work. We're going to be praying for for our uh, brothers and sisters in Uganda that uh, you're very successful in there. Their uh, the quality of life just raises, but also the the total and complete conversion of everyone in Uganda. Praise be to God. God bless Thanks you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so grateful. I thank my wife, listeners. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Father. Have a great day. Again, check thank them out you. online at zimufoundation.org. That's Z-I-M-U foundation.org. Praise be to God. Hey, that's going to do it for hour number one. Don't forget to get in on that TDT Insider email. I'm going to send that to you later today. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. If you can join us in the next hour, Dave Palmer is going to be on to talk about the Antichrist and St. Thomas Aquinas. All that and much more still to come. Otherwise, we'll see you back here Monday. God love you. Hi, this is Sister Didi Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal lives. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. 
And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Hi, this is Terry Beatlane. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's... Hi, my name's Alyssa Vigil from St. Ignatius of Loyola Catholic Community. And you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. To your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's Friday. <coughs> what do you get? Who's clearing their throat? <laughs> Live on the radio, praise be to God. It's Friday. I'm looking forward to, uh, I don't need, am I allowed to sleep in tomorrow? Tomorrow's, hmm, I don't even know. i got to check my honeydew list. But nonetheless, uh, great conversation with Father Peter Masambe Mukasa on the last hour. I imagine it's uh, it must be very difficult. You uh, you have a corrupt government, you got bad roads, <laughs> and not a lot of resources to go around. So uh, he's doing some stall, some some good work there. Praise be to God at the Zemu Foundation. If you missed the conversation, I encourage you to check it out on our podcast feed. We also had a great conversation with Edward Penton about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Seventy year reign, ninety six years old, and uh, you know we just barely scratched the surface on what that looks like from a Catholic perspective. Uh, and then to look forward to the reign of King Charles III, and especially given uh, his ties to uh, the World Economic Forum and all of that, uh, I think it's going to be a different era. I think it's definitely going to be a different era in England at this point. But uh, maybe we'll have him back and we can dive deeper into that. But uh, praise be to God. Don't forget to get in on the CDT Insider email. I'll send it today. And I am looking forward to sending you to this week's entertainment. The... Uh, the Days of Noah. It's a film. It's produced by a Protestant organization. I did watch it. It's broken up into a, uh, a series. And just a, I'm just going to give you a little, no spoiler alert, just a little pro tip here, a little non-spoiler alert review. How about that? Um, there's a couple of things that could annoy you, but I suggest you keep cruising through the whole thing, though. Number one, it's a slow burn. It's a little bit slow, long in the tooth, but the payoff is good. All right, so you get the good payoff. Number two, it's it's a, it's not a it's not a Hollywood production, so you know uh, even though they probably had a very limited budget, I thought they did pretty good overall. Uh, Are you saying there's no Michael Bay explosions? There's no Michael Bay explosions in this, Dang. but um, generally speaking, the ca- characters captivated me, and you feel like you're on edge, and it feels intense the whole way. And you're like, you're waiting for that big shoe to drop. 
I mean, like, what's coming next? What? Who are these people? Who can I trust? Who can I not trust? The whole time, you're just not quite sure. So there was that. But the other thing is, like, they, from an artistic standpoint, they, uh, you know how they, they uh, what is that called? The super wide? Yeah. The, the, uh, the cropping? Anamorphic? Yeah. Well, no, not anamorphic lenses. But you know how they sometimes they'll, they'll put the black bars on top and bottom of a movie? Yeah. And, they're ba- and it, it's based on old school film style. Mm-hmm. It's like the super wide. It's very narrow. And that annoyed me at points. I'm like, could you just wait? <laughs> I want to, like, I want to see what's going on around. Like, they narrowed it. I wonder if that's because... They knew that they were filming in locations where there might be a building in the background or something like that. And they, they just, you know, they were doing their best to to uh, to make a pre-flood world come to life. The sky was blown out. I don't know, but uh, so beyond those little tidbits, I do encourage you to check it out, and I'll put the link to that in the email list tonight. It'll all well, this afternoon. It'll hit your inbox later today. So again, make sure you're on our email list by going to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And uh, you can sign up for the CDT Insider email link right there. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Praise be to God. Um, Otherwise, our good friend uh, Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Father, is here to talk about only the most enlightening, inspirational, fluffy topics (laughs) that we can think of. And uh, today we're going to be discussing the Antichrist, apparently. So that's fun. Good morning to you, Dave. Good morning, Joe. Good to see you. Yeah, praise. Did you wake up thinking, how could I be, um, let's just say, depressing today? Uh, what, what, <laughs> what could I, hmm, let's see, death, the plague, uh, pandemics, Antichrist. We haven't talked about that in a while. Uh, why Antichrist? Well, it, it, it actually comes from uh, the, it kind of happened organically because last week we talked about the last things and eschatology, mm-hmm. and so it kind of came out in conversation, and as people were watching the program, they said, hey, what about the Antichrist? And yeah. we thought, okay, that seems like a good topic. So we had a lot of interest last week. I think people generally are interested, curious, uh, intrigued by this whole concept of Antichrist. Nobody knows exactly who or what it is. And so we thought, well, what did uh, Thomas Aquinas say about the, the Antichrist? And so we thought, oh, that'd make a good show. So that's why we did it. Yeah, it is fascinating, the Antichrist. I uh, have at times benched on some Antichrist content uh, in the past. One of my favorites is a lecture series by Father Wolf from the FSSP, uh, who has given a, a, a great lecture series on the Antichrist. He usually quotes from St. Robert Bellarmine, though, uh, which was uh, somebody who wrote extensively on the Antichrist, but, but as an apology to Protestant reformers. You know, defending the papacy who, uh, you know, uh, Martin Luther and the gang, they wanted to paint the Pope as uh, as the Antichrist. So St. Robert Bellarmine came to the rescue and defended him. Um, but what does St. Thomas Aquinas have to say about this? He does, you know, just like I said last week with the, the, the signs of the end time, he doesn't spend a lot of time in the Summa uh, talking about the Antichrist. And interestingly, he never uses an article, the Antichrist. It's always Antichrist. There's, it's, and there's this question, I think, if you read scripture, is there more than one Antichrist? Uh, sometimes it's plural, sometimes it's not. 
Thomas refers to it as Antichrist, mm-hmm. and he puts it in the section of the Summa at the very end when he introduces Jesus Christ in the, the Tertia Pars, you know, late, late in the Summa, and it's under a question on Christ as head of the church of all places, okay? So Christ is the head of the church, and then there are two articles. One of them says, is the devil the head of the wicked? And he says, yes. And then the next article is, is anti Christ the head of the wicked? And he says, yes, but obviously Antichrist and the devil are not the same person, but then he kind of parses that and explains the difference and the similarity between the devil and Antichrist. Wow. Um, Okay, so does uh, Thomas Aquinas give us any idea as to when we can expect to meet Mr. Antichrist? <laughs> Not really. He he just says that obviously the one of the huge differences I think everybody agrees with is that Antichrist is a human being mm-hmm. and the devil is an angel. Okay, so you have yeah. that that clear difference there. And Thomas comes down I I think Thomas is wise in that when he doesn't know something, he doesn't claim to give more information than what he knows. And clearly nobody really knows who Antichrist is Mm -hmm. and whether there are, uh, it gives gives an indication that maybe there are some people who prefigure the Antichrist who are really wicked. But the the most he can say is that the the Antichrist is going to be someone who is extremely influenced by the devil, so much so that this person is, is, you know, almost demonic in the sense it's a human being but so so heavily influenced by the devil that they they carry out the mission of the devil but while being a human being but again i i think as far as who it is or when that person's going to come i think thomas remains silent on that now i i remember having this conversation with roy showman uh who is the author of the book salvation is from the jews and uh he's a convert from uh, from uh judaism and uh, i remember him saying you know it is it is expected that the Antichrist will be of Jewish background. Uh, any sense there, Dave Palmer? Not from Thomas. I think that's from outside writings. Um, you know, interestingly, Jesus in Scripture never talks about Antichrist. And uh, St. Paul in Second Thessalonians talks about the lawless one. It's the same Second Thessalonians yeah. uh, 2, 3 through 8, talks about the lawless one. It's the same mm. section as when he's talking about the restrainer, which is another yeah. interesting topic in the Bible. Who is this restrainer? What is the restrainer? So as far as I know, uh, uh, St. Paul not, never refers clearly to Antichrist, but it's it's John, and it's in First John chapter 2 and chapter 4 where we get most of the information, and I believe in Revelation as well, which, of course, is by the same author, John. And so it's really the Apostle John that speaks most. Interestingly, he's the beloved disciple. He's the one that, you know, Jesus loved, and so uh, you know, interesting that he's the one that most wants to write about this Antichrist. But uh, that, that's, yeah, as far as Scripture, Scripture doesn't say a lot about it. You know what I always point out from St. Paul that you just quoted from? Um, the one important part I think that we should pay attention to is that you don't get to meet the Antichrist until after the apostasy happens. And mm. uh, and we must, I think that should be sobering fact that we are going to, we, I don't know when, of course, we don't know when this will happen, but uh, some some Catholics are going to wake up one day and realize 
that the, that the vast majority of Catholics have apostatized from the faith. Thus, they should hear the words of our Lord ringing in their ears, when the Son of Man returns, will he even find faith on earth? Um, the reality is, bishops, priests, deacons, lay folk, moms and dads, sons and daughters, most of which will apostatize from the faith. That's a very troubling, sobering statement from St. Paul, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, John is very clear that one of the marks of the Antichrist is the denial of the divinity of Christ, the denial of, uh, of, of Jesus Christ himself. And he also seems to give some indication that Antichrist will come from within. You know, he says he, he, he was, he was one of us and he, and he, he departed. So it, it makes you wonder, is it going to be kind of somebody internally yeah. that, emerges as antichrist but mm-hmm. yeah you know and as you know joe throughout the history people have labeled so many people as <laughs> antichrist have i remember on I, one of them lately? i think that's I really mean... funny is i remember remember well, president reagan because his name was uh ronald wilson reagan and each mm-hmm. one of those words has six letters in it people were saying ah there you go 666 he's the antichrist (laughs) and you know it's it's been fun and it's been an issue of much curiosity throughout the ages yeah like god couldn't uh you know like god's uh gonna be that obvious that on the nose huh (laughs) i think it's hilarious Uh, famously though uh, very uncreative yeah right famously though you know they've done the same thing kind of like deciphering the letters into numbers with nero and people seem to think that that nero was the antichrist that was referenced. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, it, it seems odd that he would have come so early in history. You know, it's like, okay, the, the Antichrist has come and gone. I, I think most people are, are still awaiting the Antichrist. It's going to be, uh, you know, later in history. But, um, and, and again, is it more than one, you know, uh, you know, Nero, Nero, uh, wasn't Jewish, right? So that would kind of throw the whole Jewish thing off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I'm going to be like St. Thomas Aquinas and just throw up my arms and say, I don't know. It's in God's hands. Non-committal. And hopefully we'll recognize, who, we'll, we'll recognize Antichrist when, when, when he comes and hopefully it'll be obvious. You know, uh, the spirit of Antichrist, though, is something that we could all participate in. So when we reject our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, his teaching, and uh, refuse to live in a state of grace and cooperate with the fathers of, father of lies, well, we are basically becoming a little Antichrist, are we not? Yeah, I would say so. And I, I think that's clearly a big problem uh, in our culture today is just the denial of Jesus Christ. And, you know, you can go back to Arianism where the denial of, of Jesus and his divinity. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of like the signs of the end of the world. I mean, they, they've, they're, if you're looking for earthquakes and fires and wars and famine, well, there have been these signs since the beginning of time. And I think there's a lot of people that have denied Jesus Christ, but it doesn't mean that they are the, they're, they're antichrist, but you know, I don't know. I guess the curiosity and intrigue continues until it's clearly revealed to us, right? Wow. Could you imagine going to your judgment only uh, only to have that stark reality of how m- many times that we have uh, acted in such contrast, such to be so contrary to our Lord in our life, through our actions, our behaviors? I mean, how I know. how hard is that going to be to have to face? 
I know. It's sobering. I think every single day we ought to look, look at that. It's like the people that put the, the skull on their, you know, their desk. I think Steve Ray does that just to re- yeah. remind ourselves of our mortality and that we are going to face Jesus and uh, be judged one day. I think it's something that has to be front of mind. Yeah, for sure. Back to the Father is a show that gets uh, streamed live every Friday afternoon, 1 p.m. Central, 2 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network's uh, social sites. So you can go to GRN Online on YouTube. You can go to the Facebook page as well, GRN Online, and you can watch the show live with host Dave Palmer, bringing you uh, Thomas Aquinas and what he has to say on a variety of topics today. Antichrist is on the agenda. So God bless you, Dave Palmer. We're grateful for your time today. All right. Thanks, Joe. Good to be with you. All right. Praise be to God. Time to play our game show, Fear and Trembling, with prizes giving away. Today, you can win those prizes. Your last chance to win them is right now at 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6, verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider. Would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brother? Others. Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55 and 56 that the James and Josephs mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider, Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when Scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. 
But what I need more is a phone call. The first caller gets to play our game and possibly win our prizes today. You can call right now. Rudy Carlos standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now. We're going to play this game with the last three chances. Give out the prize today. It's going to happen just a few minutes from now. 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four for your chance to get in on this before we give out the prize. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. There are a few things we like to do uh, on this show uh, on the down low. Of course, we don't want to tell anybody. We don't want it to get out. But we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you didn't know before. That's always fun. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And we especially appreciate our callers when they call 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. But of course, we give out prizes, and today's the day we do that here in just a few minutes. And that makes it a winner for everybody involved. But the catch, the catch, the kicker is that we do not ask the caller the questions, so they don't need to know the answers. They have to call 877-757-9424 to be our contestant, but they don't need to know the answers. That's because instead of asking them, I will ask Mike, I will ask Rudy. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Mike? And every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence. Now, that phone number is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. Mike, what could they win? Oh, Joe, you know, we have so many great sponsors. And this week, we have another great one. We have the Mater Christi Apparel. Uh, they will, our winner will receive one of these amazing, amazing, amazing shirts with the three hearts on it. And you know, Joe, you go out, you wear a shirt like that. People want to talk to you about Jesus and they want to talk about our mother, Mary. Amen. So it's a great way to evangelize people you come in contact with. So I, I encourage everyone to check out their wares there on Etsy and, and just look up Modern Christie Apparel and, and throw some business their way. We want to support those kind of businesses. Yeah, amen to that. Praise be to God. All right. Well, I'm surprised uh, we had a bunch of calls come in yesterday, but for whatever reason, phone lines aren't ringing today. So they're wide open right now at 877-757-9424. If you're, maybe there's a phone line problem. I'm not sure, but if you're uh, trying to call, call back right now, 877-757-9424. I'll give it a minute longer. Uh, and then I guess I'm just going to decide who gets the benefit of, of, of today's game. How about that? Uh, okay, so Mater Christi Apparel. Can I just say thank you? I appreciate it when you give us prizes to give away. In fact, I got an email yesterday from another prize sponsor. They're like, yeah, we want to give prizes away too. So uh, looking forward to uh, giving out prizes on the program. It's one of the things we always wanted to do when we set this show up two years ago. It was to be able to lavish extra love on you, the listener. And Mater Christi Apparel has given us the ability to do that. So we are super grateful. And the three hearts, I mean, like, praise be to God. What an opportunity to plant a seed in the heart of, uh, of our listeners and people, strangers that you never even knew before. So praise be to God for that. All right. We did get a bunch of calls that just came through. Grateful for all of them, but let's go to the phones. Mark, good morning to you, sir. Mark. This is, yes, Mark and Martin. Mark and Martin. Well, good morning to you. Thank you for calling in. Are you 
Are you on your way to somewhere important this morning? Yes, uh, taking Martin to school. Praise be to God, Martin. How old are you, Martin? I'm 17. 17? Wow. So you're wow. like you're like pretty advanced in school by this point. What's your favorite subject? I'm probably the best at math, but my favorite one has to be... I don't know. I can't decide. <laughs> you're, you're best at math, though. I, I do not share that opinion with you, sir. Math was something I tolerated. It's not something I was ever best at. So I'm glad you're doing it and not me. Praise be to God. Now, Mark Martin, are you familiar with this game? Do you know how it works? A bit. Yes. Praise be to God. All right. Well, we're going to play. I am your guide here. I'm on your side. Uh, I'm here to get you through all of this. I'm the only one you can trust. So are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. We will start with Mike K sitting in the chair of uh, Rudy Carlos this morning. Good morning to you, uh, Mike. Good morning, Joe. Couldn't help but notice uh, all week long you never wore a tie, not once. Not one time. Hmm. Very suspicious. Very suspicious behavior. All right. Praise be to God. Are you ready? I'm definitely ready. Let's start with uh, a science question. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, Martin is a math guy, so I'm not sure how well he's going to do here, but let's just see. Uh, (laughs) Could you tell me, uh, Mike, which famous Catholic proved that disease and decay are caused by bacteria, please? Oh, Joe, every school kid learns this in, I think, sixth grade science. Do they? Uh, I don't recall. We should definitely know this, but it's Antoine Lavoisier. Are you, what, Antoine Lavoisier, did you say? Lavoisier. 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 Hmm, okay. Antoine Lavoisier, you say. All right, let's just see what uh, Brother Rudy has to say, who is wearing a tie today. Take that into consideration. (laughs) Those are like larger... What do you call those things? These are paisleys. But they're bigger uh, than yesterday's paisleys. Bone-colored paisleys on a blue field with... Huh. Uh, okay. Fox blood? Are you tr- by, by increasing the size of the paisleys, are you trying to communicate something subtly to us? Uh, no, obviously not. <laughs> okay, well, let's see about this then. Can you tell me which famous Catholic proved that disease and decay are caused by bacteria? You know, Catholics do the best job at all of these different things and uh, mm-hmm, science, mm-hmm. all kinds of different things. It's Louis Pasteur, which I believe is responsible for really? pasteurization in milk. What? Mind yeah. blown. That's amazing. All right. I believe in science. So what's the correct question here? Who is the famous Catholic? Is it is it Louis Pasteur, as Rudy is telling us? Or is it Antoine Lavoisier? As Mike seems to suggest, 15 seconds on the clock, who is right, who is wrong, Mark and Martin, what say you? So, Rudy said Pastor? Correct. Is that right? Yes. Okay, go with Rudy. Going with Rudy. Survey says... I would have gotten that wrong. I'm going to be honest with you. There's no way I would have gotten that correct. I couldn't remember the first name in science class from any grade whatsoever. So, uh, well done. Congratulations. Praise be to God. Louis Pasteur is the correct answer. And uh, I do believe we play these spots on Catholic on the Costa Guadalupe Radio Network that actually highlights sometimes these uh, Catholic scientists in history. So, uh, praise be to God. Congratulations. You could win. Let's see if we can't get you in for two. This next question could be tricky. We'll see. 
We're going to go with Rudy first on this one. Rudy, can you tell me who is the patron saint of comedians, sir? Okay, the patron saint of comedians, uh, saint I'm very aware of because uh, really? it's the, the church that I left uh, in California. Oh, I see. Not for bad reasons, just for moving over here. Uh-huh. St. Vitus. St. Vitus, you St. say? St. Vitus. Did yes. the church ask you to leave? I'm just curious. No, no, mm. no. What did they tell you, Because that would be funny. Who told you that? That would be funny. All right, St. Vitus is your answer. That's right. Got it. Okay. Mike, you're a funny guy uh, with <laughs> German now. heritage. So there's that. But could you tell me, who is the patron saint of comedians? Oh, come on, Joe. Everybody knows this. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. It's St. Sheldon. Sheldon, you say? St. Sheldon Green, actually. Oh, I I, I see. St. Sheldon Green, you say. Uh, Okay. um, I like comedy. I like comedians. I like a good humor. Mark and Martin, I wonder what you think. Is it St. Sheldon Green, as Mike is trying to suggest? Or is it St. Vitus, as Rudy is helping us to believe? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mark and Martin in Katy, Texas. What say you? It's, you're just going to go straight Rudy, huh? Just going to go... <laughs> Can't fool him. St. Vitus is the correct Sheldon, isn't it like a comic strip or something? Shecky Green's real name. Yeah, okay. St. <laughs> Vitus is the correct answer. You're yes. in for two? You guys are doing a great game here. Let's just see if we can't keep the good times rolling with this third question. Back to Mike K for this one. Mike, can you tell me? May lay people administer extreme unction. Joe, in emergency situations, yes. Yes, they can. Absolutely. Really? That's that's a that's a thing? It's like baptism. If it's an emergency, Is it? no options. Yes, sir. I see. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Um, Rudy, maybe you All could help right. us out here. Could lay folk uh, administer extreme unction? Absolutely not. Because... That involves giving absolution. So, no, mm-hmm. we can't do that. Mm-hmm. We can try. We can say the words, but hey, listen, it won't work. I'd be happy to hear your sins. Uh, <laughs> you want, I mean, pfft, I don't know. You don't have to hear him. You see him. But you're saying no. The answer is no, because absolution can only be given by a priest or a, or a bishop, I suppose. That's my opinion. Okay. There. All right. Well, uh, Mark and Martin, uh, who can give extreme unction? Can lay folk do it? Rudy says no. Mike says yes. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you? Uh, Rudy again. Surface. Oh, man. That could have been a tricky one, but you got it right. In fact, uh, it has to be a priest, bishop, that kind of thing. God bless you guys, Mark and Martin. Thanks for playing our game. You did a great job. Will you win? Let's find out. Let's see here. I have one in my hand, and it's Tim and Tony. Tim and Tony. Or it's (laughs) Kim and Tony, actually. Praise be to God. Mark and Martin, I'm sorry. It wasn't God's holy will. But we did have a laugh with you today, and we're grateful to you. God bless you guys. And uh, Martin, good luck in school today with that math thing. Hope it works out. That's going to do it for the radio side. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you in the after show. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Peter Claver. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Peter Claver, who lived in the 1500s and 1600s, who grew up in northeastern Spain in a prosperous farming family. At age 20, he joined the Jesuits, and 10 years later sailed to Cartagena, a port on the Caribbean in the north end of South America, what is now Colombia. This was a key port for the slave trade in those days. When he made his final profession with the Jesuits, he signed himself the slave of the Africans forever, and he dedicated the 39 years of his priesthood to ministering to those enslaved, meeting them when their ships arrived, also ministering to them where they lived and worked. He died on September 8th in 1654. During his lifetime, he had baptized 300,000 slaves and each year heard 5,000 of their confessions. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who made St. Peter Claver a slave of slaves and strengthened him with wonderful charity and patience as he came to their help, grant through his intercession that seeking the things of Jesus Christ, we may love our neighbor in deeds and in truth. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, if I preach the gospel, this is no reason for me to boast, for an obligation has been imposed on me, and woe to me if I do not preach it. If I do so willingly, I have a recompense, but if unwillingly, then I have been entrusted with a stewardship. 
What then is my recompense? That, when I preach, I offer the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Although I am free in regard to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so as to win over as many as possible. I have become all things to all, to save at least some. All this I do for the sake of the gospel, so that I too may have a share in it. Do not know that the runners in the stadium all run in the race, but only one wins the prize. Run so as to win. Every athlete exercises discipline in every way. They do it to win a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. Thus I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight as if I were shadow boxing. No, I drive my body and train it, for fear that, after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord mighty God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord mighty God. My soul yearns and pines for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord mighty God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest, in which she puts her young. Your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord mighty God. Blessed they who dwell in your house, continually they praise you. Blessed the men whose strength you are, their hearts are set upon the pilgrimage. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord mighty God. For a sun and a shield is the Lord God, grace and glory he bestows. The Lord withholds no good thing from those who walk in sincerity. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord mighty God. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Your word, O Lord, is truth. Consecrate us in the truth. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? No disciple is superior to the teacher, but when fully trained, every disciple will be like his teacher. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove that splinter in your eye, when you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own eye? You hypocrite! Remove the wooden beam from your eye first and you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of our first reading, St. Paul is speaking about how athletes, how runners in a stadium, 
in order to win their race, go through great training. How they deny themselves all sorts of things that they ordinarily would want. Why? Because they have a purpose. And they know that if they're going to win against the other competitors, it is going to take a great deal of training and decisions and self-denial, but all for that purpose. He brings us up for a reason, and we're going to be asking ourselves today, for what are you and I willing to deny ourselves things that we might want? For what great purpose? Now, to understand what St. Paul is talking about today, we need to go back to what we did not hear yesterday because of the, the feast day. And among the many errors and problems he's talking to the Corinthians about, one of them was the question of whether it was good and acceptable to eat meat that had been sacrificed to false gods, to idols. Because in Corinth, in the first century, there was a situation where much of the meat that was available in the city had been not simply butchered for sale, but had been butchered to offer and sacrifice in the temples of these false gods. And having this having occurred, then it might be available in banquets in those temples, or for sale in the marketplace, or even in people's homes. And a, a Corinthian Christian might or might not know, you know, what, how, where had this meat come from? And the question was whether or not to eat it. And some of the people who were speaking to St. Paul were saying, well, you know, these false gods don't even exist. There is only one God, so there's no problem with eating this meat. And so St. Paul is responding in different ways to this assertion they're making. And so the first thing that he brings up to them in chapter 8, which we didn't hear yesterday, he says to them essentially, well, look, what you're saying is true. These false gods don't exist. There's only one God. This is true. And yet, there's also something else, not just that truth, and not just your desire to eat this meat, but also the question of the conscience and the soul of your brother. What if that brother doesn't understand as you do that these gods don't exist? What if he sees you eating it and thinks that you who believe in Christ, that, that you're somehow participating in the worship of those false gods? This then harms him, harms his soul, harms his conscience. You know, perhaps it, it drives him into sin, or what if he's not someone who believes in Christ yet? It drives him away from the gospel. And St. Paul says, look, you know, you've got to care about the conscience of your brother. It's not just about what you want or about what you know. It's also about him. And so he ends yesterday's reading with his passionate statement. If food causes my brother to sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I may not cause my brother to sin. Having said that, he then continues on. As he says, look, you know, and going into today's reading, it's not just about meat sacrificed to idols that I live this out. He says, I live this out in my, in my life as an apostle all the time. You know, he says, I could have, I could receive financial support from others, but I don't. I could, but I don't because I don't want to put any obstacle in the way of the gospel. So I don't. I work for, for the support that I need. He says, although I am free in regard to all, I have made myself a, myself a slave to all so as to win over as many as possible. And what gets omitted from our reading is he says, look, to those who are under the law of the old covenant, I live like them so I can win them over. To those who are not over, under the law, even though I am under the law of Christ, I become as one not under the law so I may win some of them over. To those who are weak, who don't have that knowledge, I become as the weak. And he continues, I become all things to all to save at least some. All this I do for the sake of the gospel. We hear from him about the self-sacrifice, how he, like an athlete, is willing to give up all sorts of things that he would want 
for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the souls of other people, like an athlete, he's willing to give up anything. The saint that we celebrate today, St. Peter Claver, lived this to a remarkable and an admirable degree. We heard how he declared himself when he made his final profession with the Jesuits, the slave of the Africans forever. And for the 39 years of his priesthood, he gave himself again and again. We read his own words as he tells us how he would go, when the slave ships would come in, he would go and go into those ships, into those ships that were so horrible that a third of the people had died on the way across the ocean. He went in among them on the ships and then also when they were unloaded onto the, the, the ground, the, the land, getting ready to be sold. So many of them had died, so many of them were sick, so many of them thought they were being brought over to be eaten. And he describes how he adapted himself, himself to their conditions to show them by bringing them food and drink and medicine that he loved them. And then he would proclaim to them the gospel stage by stage in ways they could understand. And how not only did he minister to them at the port, but also he would go to where they lived and worked in the off-season when ships were not coming in. And when he worked, went there, he did not stay in the quarters that the slave owners wanted to offer him, but he would stay in the quarters of the slaves themselves. So he extended himself in every way in order to bring the gospel to them, to bring Christ's love to them, to speak up for their rights and their, their, their well-treatment. Brothers and sisters, having heard this good example from St. Paul, this exhortation, and the good example of St. Peter Claver, we may ask ourselves, are the things that we do because of what we know? Are the things that we do because of what we want? And yet, should we be willing to set them aside for a greater good, including being as passionate for the good, for the soul, for the heart and the virtue of our neighbor as St. Paul and St. Peter Claver were? Run so as to win. Every athlete exercises discipline in every way. St. Paul was ready to give all, St. Peter Claver to give all, even what they wanted, for the good of their neighbor. Who around us is in need? Who needs us to give something up for the good of them, for the good of their soul? With confidence, let us direct our prayer to Almighty God, that he may always rejuvenate the church. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That he may give peace and harmony to all nations. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That he may help the poor and the abandoned. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That he may remember the families of our communities who are undergoing trials. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That our actions this day may be a sacrifice of praise acceptable to God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, we seek your mercy, and we ask that you receive with kindness the request that we've presented to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. What wondrous love is this, O my soul, O my soul? What wondrous love is this, O my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul? 
to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. To God and to the Lamb I will sing, I will sing. To God and to the Lamb I will sing. To God and to the Lamb who is the great I am. While millions join the theme, I will sing, I will sing. While millions join the theme, I will sing. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing and joyfully be. And through eternity, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And through eternity, I'll sing on. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Receive, O Lord, the offerings of your people, and grant that we who celebrate your Son's work of boundless charity may, by the example of blessed Peter Claver, be confirmed in love of you and of our neighbor. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through who Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. Peter Claver you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life, teach her by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without hand we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed, 
and entered willingly into his passion. He took bread, and giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who Lord art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace.
Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I am I not worthy that you should enter, enter under, under my roof, roof but only, only say, say the word and my soul shall be healed. The communion antiphon. Greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friends. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. I come with joy to meet my Lord, forgiven, loved, and free. In awe and wonder to recall his life that laid down for me. I come with Christians far and near to find as all are fed the new community of love in Christ's communion bread. As Christ breaks bread and bids us share each proud division cease, the love that made us makes us one, and strangers now are friends. And thus with joy we meet our Lord, His presence always near. Is in such friendship better known, we see and praise him here. 
Together, me together bound, we'll go our different ways. And as his people in the world will live and speak his praise. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that we who are renewed by these sacred mysteries may follow the example of blessed Peter Claiborne, who honored you with tireless devotion and by surpassing charity was of service to your people. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let all things now living a song of thanksgiving to God our Creator. The archangels, Saint Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be. Hi, I'm Tracy Sanchez from St. Augustine Catholic School. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. For your soul.